This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome to the Artificial Intelligence Podcast with your host, Dr. Tony Huang. Today, I'm with Rohan Sate from Nightfall AI. Ron, can you give the listeners a brief overview of your background and what led you to create Nightfall AI? Just a quick background on myself. I'd spent a, a good chunk of my early career at Uber on the engineering side. And one of the sort of major breach-related incidents that happened at Uber involved a developer accidentally checking in a secret key, an AWS key specifically, into a private GitHub repository. And um, the issue with that was there was just an understanding internally that, hey, this is a private repository. What's, yes, it's bad hygiene, but wh why does it really matter? And the sort of analogy that I give to folks is if you're in San Francisco, would you want to leave your laptop in your car, right? Like, that, yes, you have locks, but clearly in San Francisco, that doesn't stop people once they get in, they have access to, to, to your sensitive stuff. And so similarly to the data specifically, what, we, what ended up happening at Uber was somebody did actually get access to this employee's uh, GitHub account through a social engineering attack. And once they were able to just audit some of the, the things in their account, they found this AWS key. And then from there, the attack transpired into to exfiltration of a lot of our sensitive data. So... This specific problem was something that I had heard from my friends was not unique to Uber, but something that they would see across the enterprises that they were working at. And so wanted to find a way to basically help enterprises at large solve this problem and focus on improving the data security hygiene at the company. So that's what kind of led me to, to start Nightfall. So that's really cool that you were one of the founding engineers at Uber Eats. What, what were like some of the first couple of projects or like some of the big projects that you used to work at Uber Eats? It spanned across a wide variety of different engineering problems. The first was really just building the first version of, of Uber Eats. And specifically, I was on the team that was involved in sort of the logistics part of the platform. So that's connecting riders, drivers, and eaters together. So that was the first thing that we had built. And as that platform matured and, and we went in, into more markets, across the world, I started to focus on leading a team around a lot of our pricing initiatives. So if you've seen surge pricing or dynamic delivery fees, that was an area that, that we were focusing on and, and, and an interesting area in machine learning specifically. So how did that experience really help you shape the perspective on technology in the AI space? Did you learn anything new? Was like infrastructures, new frameworks, new thought processes that led you to have a different like idea of how you want to shape AI? 
I think it was a little bit more philosophical than specific technologies that I learned just because in general, the machine learning ecosystem has just evolved so rapidly and technologies that you use maybe six months ago start to get outdated pretty quickly. So I think at Uber, we were just philosophically a machine learning heavy company. So wherever we could and it made business sense, we would try to find use cases where we could leverage our data to to make more meaningful insights. And I think my experience there was really around shaping kind of my ability to understand how to build a strong engineering organization, empower individuals to make technological decisions, especially as, as technologies evolve, and then really think about how AI specifically can improve the efficiency uh, of a business. So I think those are the things that I really learned there. So Nightfall AI successfully raised, you guys actually closed a significant amount of funding from, yep. I believe it's, it was Bain Capital Ventures and Venrock. Yep. When was that? And did you have any like other investors in that or were those two like the only investors? So uh, I left Uber in, in around the end of 2017 and uh, wanted to start the company. So really the, f the first kind of the first piece to this, I think, and especially if you're an engineering or product, you you end up jumping to, to, to being solution oriented and wanting to build something. And, and we, we didn't want to do that. We, we wanted to make sure that we were actually building something that people wanted to buy and, and really fundamentally understood the, the problem that we were solving and, and what our wedge would be to enter the market. So I actually spent a lot of time prior to raising any money, just interviewing security folks across different personas, be it like a chief security officer, just a security engineer, folks in privacy to, to really understand the problem area that we were going after. And once we did that, we went and raised our first pre-seed round from a group called Pair Ventures. So that that's what kind of kicked things off. From there, we raised our seed in Series A from Bain and Venrock back in November of 2018. And the Series A was in November of 2019. And then we did our Series B last August from a group called Westbridge. Oh, that's cool. How much How much did you raise? Or I guess, are you allowed to disclose that? Yeah, yeah. That's all public on Crunchbase. We, we raised about 40 in total across Westbridge and a group of strategic angels. So we ended up adding a bunch of like athletes and influencers to the round just to help us with different marketing related initiatives. That's really cool. How did you identify the security gaps in the integration of the, these generative AI tools with enterprise SaaS apps? To, to take a step back a little bit, the problem that we help organizations solve is to uncover sensitive information in different what we call repositories. So a repository could be like the organization's Slack usage, right? Or the organization's usage of G Drive or an actual repo like code repository in GitHub. We just think of these as kind of data repositories, right? And sensitive data will proliferate into these environments unintentionally. And so we help enterprises do is to help them identify that what that sensitive information is and then help them remediate any issues um, that would violate either a compliance regime or just take them out of best practices. And what we were starting to hear from our customers were was, was specifically that employees were using tools like ChatGPT or they were building their own models and they were sharing sensitive data with these third-party applications, be it the API, the actual public-facing APIs, or the web applications, um, or when they're building their own models, they were using sensitive customer information and they were worried that information could then be extracted by the, the products that would power these experiences. That's how we first started to learn about the problem area. Gotcha. 
So was there an, like a particular incident that actually led you to birth Nightfall? Or was that story where you you noticed that people were putting key or access keys into like private GitHub repos? I was really, that was the thing that kind of kickstarted all of it, just and understanding how pervasive the problem was. And it wasn't just secrets and keys are one category of sensitive information, but depending on the company, it could be financial information. If it's a healthcare company, it could be health-related information, right? And so there, there's a broad kind of set of cat, categorical sensitive information and, and the repositories were limitless, right? And so we wanted to help companies just from seeing the problem firsthand at, at Uber. So in your opinion, what's the most pressing security concern related to the use of generative AI apps in the workplace that businesses should be aware of? I think the first and foremost, I think there's a compliance risk, right? Because in some cases, if you're a healthcare company and you have to abide by what's, you know, the, the regulation called HIPAA, then you can't be sharing your customer with some of these applications unless it's sanctioned and you're sanctioned to do something like that. So typically inadvertently, you'll have employees sharing information that they shouldn't with these applications. And, and again, they're not doing it nefariously. They're trying to do their job and be more productive at whatever they're trying to accomplish. But that sort of violates uh, the compliance regulations that one one might have to comply with. And then two is there's there have been papers released about training exfiltrate training data exfiltration attacks, right? And I think that's the second concern is that if you're sharing information with some of these companies, they're probably using that data to, to train, retrain their models. And what's the sort of impact of something like that? Or maybe you're training your own models and you expose a, like a product feature and that product feature inadvertently exposes one customer's data to another. And, and so I think those are the two things that, that we're seeing um, our customers asking us for. I guess with these big tech giants like Amazon, Apple, Alphabet, they're all restricting generative AI use at work. Yeah. Do you believe smaller companies should follow suit or is there like a different approach they should be adopting? No, I think, and I think part of it is because they feel that there, there are these risks specifically, right? And, and I think that's a blunt way of basically saying, I don't have visibility into how my employees are using these tools. So I'm just going to bluntly block the usage of these applications. The problem with that is, is many fold, right? One is like, there are real productivity benefits from these applications. And so you're basically limiting your organization from being as productive as it can be. And then two, employees are smart, right? If they want to use something, they'll find workarounds. So if you're not enabling them to use something that's helping them day to day, they're just going to find ways to work around you. And we think that using solutions like ours or whatever it might be is really a mechanism to enable the usage of these applications so that you don't have to bluntly block them like we're seeing some of these big organizations do. So I'm curious how embedded third-party large language models in these SaaS apps like Slack or Notion, how they like inadvertently lead to data loss. Like how, like how does that work? The models are, so there's one category is just the general information in something like a Slack or Notion. And then there's the actual features that are being powered by some of these generative AI models. So if you take something like Notion or Slack, they have these features that help you write content. And so those are being powered by third-party models. We know this because they disclose their subprocessors. And if you're creating some content and you paste in something as part of a context window, that's probably going to open AI, right? And 
yes, it's a subprocessor of these applications, but I'm not so sure that the organization that's using Slack or Notion specifically intended to have their data go to these subprocessors. So I think that's primarily the issue, and, and that's something that we want to help folks um, feel confident about. Can you walk us through like the Nightfalls suite of products that are aimed at addressing those issues? There's a couple mechanisms that we integrate. One is we integrate directly with the APIs of these applications. So we're, we are observing all of the data that's being inputted into something like Slack. And the organization is setting up a policy saying, hey, I don't want, I want to know when my employees share something that has a secret key, like an AWS key, let's say. And as the data is being ingested into Slack, we're observing it. We're running our own machine learning models to identify what may or may not be an AWS key. And then we're helping our organizations take remediative action on that data. So simple example is you could set up a policy that says, anytime I find an AWS key on Slack, I want you to automatically delete that data. And if an employee does that and we find something, then it, it would automatically delete the message, right? Or it would notify them and say, hey, did you intend to share this information? Do you have a business justification for doing something like this? So that's one way we integrate. The second is we have a browser plugin that also analyzes data that's being shared to different websites. So if you go to ChatGPT and you try to enter a prompt, we are intercepting that prompt before it's making its before it's making its way to ChatGPT, analyzing the content and then following a similar workflow that I described. Like a like an AI firewall that first like a Gen AI firewall that checks it first before like it sends it off to the actual LLM. Exactly. And, and again, the philosophy is not to get in the way of employees. The philosophy is to enable the usage of these applications safely. And so I think we're just helping organizations get that visibility while still keeping the best in class user experience that you would see from some of these applications. So we're not getting in the way of usage. We're just enabling it. I was at Databricks this year, and one of the hot topics there was AI firewalls. Yeah. They were saying, that it was like analogous to the old days where you would do like a URL text injection at the end. Yeah. People are doing that right now with text prompts. So they're doing text prompt injections. And I think one of the big companies, NVIDIA, lost some data from that type of attack. Right. And so that was like a big topic at Databricks. Yep. So I finally, the like moving forward, I, I believe like the AI firewall, or sorry, the Gen AI firewall is going to be like very prevalent in a lot of these large language model architectures. Yeah, we agree. And, and I think there's, again, there's the third party usage of these, like you're logging on to some UI and using these applications, or there's just the programmatic usage and sort of the firewall experience or equivalent that we have there is a series of developer SDKs where you can basically inject a, a couple lines of code and we can analyze if there's some sensitive content that you want to synthetically replace or remove, and then you can proceed with the workflow of, of then sending that data to the model. So yeah, we, we totally agree. So one thing I really like about this product that you have is, are these APIs. So yeah. tell me a little bit more on how these Nightfall APIs help developers and like more specifically, if you want to talk about like the detection and the redaction of the sensitive data part, that'd be, that's really cool. What we're abstracting is this content classification engine. So we've built a bunch of models that look for things like secrets and credentials or financial information or healthcare information, like I described earlier. And 
we're using that specifically to create user experiences on things like Slack and Notion to scan that content. But fundamentally, this abstraction is something we also just expose as a series of API endpoints. So it's really simple, really simple idea to understand. But basically, you send us some content and you say, hey, I, I might be looking for X, Y, and Z thing that you all have models for. Tell me when you find if you find that information in the data that I'm going to send you programmatically. And if so, tell me exactly where you found that. So it might be, you might send us some text data, which then we would just tell you the specific characters, or you might send us a file, in which case, if it's like a CSV or an Excel file, we can tell you exactly which cell we found the data in and where in the cell we found it. And then the redaction is just us basically providing a mechanism for you to replace the content that we find with different outputs, right? So you may want to start out the first everything but the first three characters or something like that. And the second thing we can do is help you synthetically replace it. So if we can tell you where the content is and you know what it is, then you can then generate. You can, there's a bunch of off-the-shelf libraries that you can use to then generate something that still preserves the format of the content that you're trying to send to the language models. From the standpoint of the model understanding what you're trying to ask, that doesn't change. But you don't actually have to share something sensitive in nature. So it doesn't take your company out of compliance or put yourself at a security risk. I always wonder this. So as companies start to monitor employee usage of gen AI tools more closely, like where should companies really draw the line to ensure they're not infringing on employee privacy? That's a great question. I think it, it fundamentally just comes down to being transparent about what the actual application is doing. So I think understanding kind of the permissioning model of the applications, like what websites is it monitoring? Is it monitoring all websites? Is it monitoring specific websites? Secondly, I think including the user, the end user in the experience, it's just one of the powers of, of the Nightfall platform. Like we fundamentally believe that the problem that we're trying to solve is not a nefarious, like intentional act of sharing sensitive data, because we just don't think that's as common as the problem of just accidental oversharing. And if there's an experience where the user knows and can be coached that, the, hey, they shouldn't do this because it violates the, com the company's security policy, then again, they start to become a lot more comfortable with what the application is doing and monitoring. So I think those are the ways, right? And really the spirit of this is to enable safe usage of these applications, not be like a big brother or something like that. I'm curious what any big technical challenges you guys face when you were trying to develop solutions that involve Gen AI. Did you guys get hit with stuff from general counsel that kind of slowed you down? Or did you guys get hit with data sets that were not available? What were some like key hurdles that you guys had? I think the biggest thing early, earlier on was more around if we're going to build models to identify sense information, well, where are we going to get our data from? So we had to bootstrap with data that was publicly available. And from there, for our customers that kind of opt in to, to sharing data with us, we're able to leverage their data specifically to improve our models over time. I think that was one of the challenges, but there's like a fundamental kind of network effect that you get, right? As we get more customers, our models just become a lot better because we're just seeing more data. And over time, uh, the models just generalize really well to a broad set of like data patterns across our customer base. And then two, I think there's this inherent kind of scalability challenge too, where we're ingesting a lot of data, like in the many terabytes of data per day now. And so, and, and I expect that's going to grow in order of magnitude to petabytes, let's say over time. 
as we get bigger as a company. So I think just making sure that we can build systems that are resilient and for the model classification, we can build models and support model architectures that return responses very quickly and are cost effective. So I think those are the other areas that we focus a lot of our time on. And the so in the last 18 months, Gen AI has been rapidly advancing yeah. faster than any other field. What do you envision the future of AI security with this huge, fast, like these huge, fast advancements in the generative AI open source community? I think fundamentally, like the easier, because data scientists, product folks, engineers, they just want to, they want to build features. And so finding ways to make their jobs most effective without getting in the way of these individuals, I think would, should be a focus of any security platform. I imagine that some of this will just, the open source community themselves will start to build and build SDKs or solutions to help with the different security related issues that may emerge from different generative AI applications. But I think there'll be a suite of vendors too, that integrate very nicely with the tools and, and platforms that these folks are using so that it, there's just like a seamless kind of security-esque uh, culture that can be built into these models without compromising any productivity that that may emerge from leveraging kind of third-party SDKs or something. So do you guys have any like cool success stories that like from a client or like something cool that you can tell the audience? We had a client that wanted to basically build their own custom chat GPT. And so what they wanted to do was to effectively reskin chat GPT. And, and then they're still using OpenAI under the hood. But what we ended up doing is basically dropping in our Nightfall SDK so that, so that they could filter out, in this specific case, sensitive healthcare information. So they didn't want their employees to be accidentally pasting in like live customer data. And, and the use case, for example, was like, customer support agent wanted to respond to a customer about some case and they were pasting the case in the case information into ChatGPT, which included Jai. And so we had this customer basically enable the usage of OpenAI with their own sort of ChatGPT-esque experience. And, and we've had other, we've had other examples of organizations taking that blunt approach that you had described of completely blocking ChatGPT, but then once they're able to use the Nightfall browser extension, they were able to roll out ChatGPT to, to the broader company. So I think those are some of the success stories that we've seen. What do you guys have next in line? Do you have any cool upcoming projects that you're working on? I think the bigger the, the biggest thing for us is just trying to find ways to integrate with all of the different ecosystem players that anyone who's building and working on their own kind of generative AI based product features and integrating with those things so that it's just a very seamless way to get built in security. So that's one area that we're thinking pretty deeply on. The second is we ourselves are using some of the newer transformer based architectures and large language models to build some of our own classification algorithms and to really influence kind of the quality of our data classification as it relates to identifying sense information. So I think those are the, the, the two big focus areas for the company going forward. Lastly, for companies that are just beginning to recognize that security risks are associated with generative AI, I'm not sure if a lot of the companies know this, but there is a big security risk. You want to give them some advice? I think like 
it's easy to get just caught up with the fact that some of these things seem theoretical because there's a bunch of researchers that are pushing and publishing papers on these different topic areas. But I would encourage folks to just, especially security folks, to stay updated on the different attacks that they're seeing in industry because the proof is in the pudding, right? If things are happening, then that's when, and I think too late, that's when it becomes a focus area. So I think combining some of that theoretical knowledge with just understanding what's going on in industry, I think is your best bet to understanding what attacks should the organization really focus on and what sort of technologies can we use to to prevent or mitigate some of the, the attacks that may, may happen. So if I needed to get in touch with you, how would I do that? You can contact me at rohan at nightfall.ai or you can follow me on Twitter at, at R-S-A-T-H-E. Those are typically the two ways folks get in touch with me. Do you have any advice for any companies or like developers that are interested in getting into the security space and trying to use generative AI? I think it's really just staying abreast of the different attacks that have been talked about, right? So prompt injection, jailbreaking, training data extraction is one that I had talked about. Those are the things that I think one should just continue to study and, and there will be more, right? So I think just staying abreast of all of the stuff that's coming out from the research standpoint. And then I would say continue to stay abreast of all of the actual data breaches that happen in industry. There's a wide variety of different publications like dark reading and, and crabs and things like that, that, that kind of go through these industry related attacks that happen. So Rohan, thanks so much for sharing your thoughts and insights and expertise on the show today. It's been a great pleasure discussing the landscape of AI security with you. Do you have any final uh, thoughts? Yeah, no, I Firstly, I'd like to say thanks for having me on the platform. Appreciate you giving me the time to, to speak about nightfall in my story. I think, look, th this is an emerging area. And I think just the, the different research that's coming out is just so interesting. And, and I'm particularly interested in seeing how the generative AI space evolves, as, as I alluded to it at my time at Uber. Space moves so quickly and things that might be well understood six months ago are just completely different six months later. And I think that's my parting message. Thanks for listening in. And until next time, stay curious.